It's now time for our BuyBlacks.com weekly segment. BuyBlacks.com is Canada's number one online black magazine. And today we're discussing adultification with writer Hilary LeBlanc. Hilary, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about this. You've written this article in Buy Blacks. Uh, the headline reads, Adultification bias is forcing black girls to grow up before their time. Maybe explain, first of all, what adultification is. Absolutely. And I'll start by saying, as a, a biracial person, I didn't really know the language around the concept either. But essentially what it is, it's the, the bias or um, microaggression built under racism essentially leading to black girls being perceived as being older than their white peers or counterparts. So being given more responsibility, not being perceived as, as innocent as white little girls um, and sort of having to grow up before other little girls, um, which is, you know, really unfortunate. Yeah. So the CBC recently did uh, a report on this. And uh, and so this is kind of where you pulled out some of uh, your information and, and kind of through this article uh, track how you grew up feeling this way. Tell us, first of all, what the CBC found um, through this report. Yeah, so they, they reported on Stella Iguiamaka and Nana Appa on the people who um, won a 2022 Canadian Research Got Talent competition. And in their research, they found that, you know, um, adults, um, you know, the adultification came against the white counterparts. And statistically, 12% of respondents felt that black girls aged five to eight took on more adult responsibilities compared to 8% of white girls. And that black girls aged zero to four um, were nearly twice as likely to be seen as independent compared to their white peers. Um, and so, yeah, they ended up winning this contest based on their adultification bias research. And so adult responsibilities, what does that mean for a child and, and maybe compare uh, what black girls are facing compared to their white counterparts? Absolutely. So the CBC article didn't really go into examples of those responsibilities. And that's where I sort of pulled from my own experience. Um, I remember being a a black little girl living in New Brunswick, and I felt as though I was, you know, chosen to pick the go get the TV from the AV room that the teachers really, you know, respected me. And at, at the time, I thought it was just because I had really great grades that I was allowed to sort of be outside of the class all of the time, you know, uh, running errands, uh, sending messages from teacher to teacher, going to the office. But looking back, that meant that I was never really in the classroom learning. I wasn't with the other kids. I wasn't getting a full recess time or playing as much. And I would say that it started as early as first or second grade. And so I, I think those are at least some of the responsibilities in, in a school-based lens that you're not letting them just exist as kids. You're sending them to be, you know, like your little messengers all the time. And that's unfair. So why do you think this happens? I mean, I think back of my childhood and I do remember in daycare at 10 years old uh, being my little my daycare teacher's kind of assistant. And I literally would go out with her on smoke breaks and sit with her and chat with her like this is how like thinking back now. I'm like, yeah, that was pure adultification at 10 years old. I shouldn't have been sitting with her while she was having a smoke break. But um, why do you think this happens significantly more to black girls than it does to white girls? 
I would say that it has to be rooted within, you know, systemic racism and, and, and something that's happening in the perception. But I think that it seems to be coming from just like an unconscious bias. I don't necessarily think teachers are sitting there thinking, I'm going to either befriend this black child yeah. or that I'm going to make them run their these errands. I, I, I don't know if it's, you know, the way we grow up through media, seeing, you know, innocent white blonde children as like the, the embodiment of perfection. And so the, the counter to that is, oh, I'll allow the, the, the black kids to run these errands. I'm, I'm not sure where the disconnect lies psychologically, but I would say that uh, clearly through this research, it is happening more and more often to black students that they are the ones being given these adult responsibilities and simply just not seen as uh, deserving of just being a child and playing with their toys. I agree with you. I think it is an unconscious bias. I don't think for most, you know, I think back at my um, daycare teacher, she was definitely my favorite teacher because she treated me like a human being and not like a little kid. But I could understand how, you know, the responsibility that I was thought I was taking it on, I thought, oh, I'm a big kid, you know, and and that was a responsibility that I didn't get to enjoy and play around with the other kids as much. Uh, How does that then translate to being an adult in the workforce? Because that's a, a bit of this research as well. Yeah, so um, through, through part of my day job, I was able to see um, Working While Black, a documentary by Taibu Community Health Center. And I was r- really shocked by the, the language around the idea that when you work as a black person, you're, it's actually everything you, um, that happens to you is a symptom of being black in the workplace because maybe, you know, people would perceive you being sort of forceful as aggressive. Um, and I think a lot of black women hear that language as well when they try to have an opinion in corporate world, that they're being aggressive, that they're being rude, as opposed to just having an opinion compared to their male counterparts or even white counterparts. And so for me watching that, I felt I, I felt this correlation between like, oh, we're sort of brainwashing people into black people into being prepared to be a doormat or, or, or do extra labor. Uh, I believe in that um, documentary, they said that, you know, black people will work almost twice as hard, whereas white people are, are, are okay to just be sort of mediocre at their job because black people are so afraid to lose that job because they don't necessarily have the financial backing or safety net. And, and they are, they feel as though their bosses are going to be much stricter with them and have um, a much more of a combative environment. And so it seems to me that the, the childhood experiences in school are setting people up for these adult experiences in the workplace where they're doing just more labor for the same amount of money as, as the, the white staff that are doing the, not the same tasks at all, which is very unfair as well. Yeah. I think we're out of time, Hillary, but I, I think, um, you know, my father used to always tell me this. I'm sure you've heard this from your parents as well, that as a black person, you have to work 10 times harder. And I definitely have felt that throughout my life as well. And I, I, I think uh, a bit of that is then this uh, piggyback of always feeling like you have to keep performing and you have to keep performing. Yeah. And I think that does come from uh, a system of the responsibility. And I, I don't think it's a matter of saying not to give children responsibility. I think that's what helps a child grow, but being mindful of how much responsibility you're giving a child and why you're giving that person the responsibility and, uh, and, and, and putting on maybe too much pressure on a child as well. Would you, would you agree? Yeah. Share the responsibility among yeah. all of the kids. Don't just single out one child is what I would say. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Hillary, for being back on the show. Really appreciate it.
Thank you.